ever heard the phrase used, it's nothing personal? Usually, the, oftentimes I hear that phrase, it's someone usually says something, probably not the best comment, and then they say, but it's nothing personal, right? So say, blah, 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 but, but it's nothing personal. As if like that excuses whatever they just said before that, right? And usually, if you've ever been in that kind of situation, um, there's a sting. Even though they say it's nothing personal, you, I, I take it, we take it personally. Because I think that reveals a very important truth, is that if I'm, t- if I'm in a relationship with somebody, if I'm talking to somebody, it can't not be personal. It has to be personal. If I'm in a relationship with another person, that relationship has to be personal. And what's spoken in that relationship has to be something that's personal. So our, our natural instinct, as we hear that comment and we hear whatever came with that, reveals a very important truth, which is just as true with God as it is with other people. There was a study that was a couple years ago by Pew Research Center, and it polled Catholics. And among other things that it revealed, it said that I think it was 48%, so less than half of Catholics believe that I can have a personal relationship with God. Less than half of Catholics believe that I could have a personal relationship with God, that God is someone who I can have a relationship with. Not that he's not there, but maybe he's just this impersonal being who's out there doing his thing that I don't have a personal relationship with, right? So I come to Mass today, but maybe not thinking that I can have a personal relationship with God or with Jesus Christ. Which strikes me as something to take note of, because as definitely the Scriptures reveal and as God desires to reveal to us, he desires nothing more than to have a personal relationship with us. Not to have an impersonal. Not, he doesn't want to just be out there, but he wants to be very directly involved with each one of our lives and each one of our hearts. And wherever we are, that, the, the fundamental reality of that relationship with God, that's just another word for prayer. Prayer is, is living my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with God with him, both in my life, in what I do, and in the midst of my own heart. And wherever we are about, in our walk with the Lord and our walk with Jesus, the season of Lent is for everyone a time to either recommit to my relationship with Jesus, to my, my life of prayer with him, or to move deeper into that. And the beauty is that there's always, some, there's always a deeper reality that in my, own, in my own life and in my own experience of God and my experience of prayer that I can, I can move towards. That's what God shows in the first reading with, the prof, with, with not the prophet, but with Noah, Noah, he forms a covenant with God. Noah and God form a covenant, which is not just an agreement, which is not just a contract, but it's a relationship of, it's an exchange of persons. God desires to give himself totally to Noah. And in return, Noah gives himself totally to the Lord. God desires a covenant with each one of us. And not just that it exists, but that we truly participate in it, that we give ourselves to him in that, in that relationship, that exchange of persons. And Lent is, is a, a particular time for all of us where to put a, we, we can put a, a special focus on that. And I think a lot of us can enter into, into that, with that with that goal in mind. It's a time of growth for a lot of people because as a whole church, we're together placing a special focus on, okay, how is my relationship with Jesus Christ and where do I need to grow in that? How can I allow him to come deeper and deeper into, the, into my heart and into the reality of my life? I think when it comes to prayer, a lot of us, especially Catholics, we were taught really well to say prayers. 
We all know the prayers that we say, our Father, Hail Mary, the Rosary, the Mass. These are all prayers that we say, and those are very good and helpful. But a lot of times I think we can stop at the words and miss what the words are trying to signify. The words are there to help us, to lead us into a deeper reality, right? Or maybe we can see prayer as like a, as a technique, right? I have to do this or that. If I, if I do this, if I do it in this special way, then I'll be a better prayer, right? If it's a technique, then like I can be good at it or I can be bad at it. Like I'm, some people are good at, I don't know, like typing, like a technique. Some people are really good at typing. Some people, it takes a long time to type. If prayer is a technique like that, then some people can be better and some people can be worse. And if, I'm not, and if I don't really feel like I'm good at prayer, I don't really know what I'm doing, I must not be good, and this must not be for me. I'm not good at the technique of it. And then I can kind of pull back from moving deeper into my walk with Jesus because I've bought into those, this reality and those lies that I'm bad at it. I'm, I miss the technique, and so I'm kind of, I pull myself away from that. What I want to do today is talk about prayer as very simple, two steps. Two steps that everybody can do, that everybody is open to, that it gets at the, the real heart and the real foundation of what prayer is, the real foundation of what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. Two steps. And the first step is a, a, a cliche that I'm sure we've all heard before, and it's unfortunate that it's a cliche, because it, it contains the most fundamental truth of our existence. Step one, God loves you. Step one has nothing to do with us. Step one has nothing to do with anything we do or don't do or say or don't say or how we live or how we act. Step one is very simply that God loves you. And that, that little sentence, it can lose all of its meaning, but actually possesses the most fundamental truth of our entire existence. Everything starts with that. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, which if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, a book that I had that's got all the teachings of the church. And there's a, a whole part of the catechism. The last part is all about prayer. And it begins with this beautiful, this beautiful paragraph that talks about the initiative that God has. And he says that when it talks about prayer, it says that God calls man first. Everything that we do is a response to the initial call that God has already placed in our hearts, that he is already reaching out to us. God calls man first. And not only that, but he tirelessly calls out for us. Nothing stops him from reaching out and calling to us. And it says that man can try to run away, can hide his face from him, and turn against the Creator. No matter what man does, God tirelessly reaches out to him and calls to him. And that's never going to change. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, God loves us. Is the first step. That's always the first step. His initiative is always there. And that never, ever, ever, ever changes. When Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer, if you remember in the, later in the Gospels, he talks about, he's, he's, when you pray, he says, don't go and babble like the pagans do. Right? And what he's getting at there, he says, don't try to use all these, these words as if you had to try to get God's attention. As if you had to convince him to pay attention to you. Don't use all these words to try to get God's attention because you already have it. He's already totally enwrapped with the reality of your life. He's already there. There's no need to use all these words to try to get God to pay attention to us. Because we've already had it. He's he's never not. I feel like a lot of times we come to, it's like when we go to pray or when we come to Mass, like we come here to try to get God's attention. 
but he's already got it. We've already got it. He's already there. He's already enwrapped the reality of your life, desiring to come deeper and deeper and deeper. Jesus says when we pray, very simply, remember who God is. He teaches us, our Father. The heart of that prayer is the acknowledgement that God is our Father who is already there, who is already focused on us and already ready, waiting at a, at a, at a, with bated breath to hear whatever we have to speak to him. It's the heart. That's the foundation, that first step. God is already there. God's love is already present. His call is already for you and with you and in your heart. The Father is looking and waiting. Step one. Step two is very simply to let him love you. That love is already there, and all we have to do, all we have to do is allow that reality to be real in my life. Nothing, it's not about anything, no special technique, no special words, no nothing. It's recognizing God's call and allowing it to penetrate my heart. That's sainthood in two steps. That's sanctity, that's holiness, that's prayer. Recognizing the depth of the reality of God's love for me and allowing that to penetrate my heart. It's very simple. But the experience of it and the practice of it for all of us is really hard. It's easy for me to say these words, and for me it included, hard for me to really believe that in the experience of my life. I think that's what Jesus shows us in the gospel today. As he walks, he goes into the desert to be tempted, to show us that the reality of temptation is real. Like we're going to be tempted to pull away. We're going to be tempted to doubt that. And I think what's most important as we experience the reality of temptation in our life is not so much the particular sins that we feel like we're tempted to. We all have our favorite sins, our favorite struggles, our favorite habits that we go to. And all those things are important, right? We don't want to lose sight of those. We, don't want to root, we, want, we do want to root all those out of our lives. But I think for the most part, this, the, when we think temptation, we think of all the sins that we struggle with. Most of those are just symptoms of a deeper reality. Most of the sins that we externally do are symptoms of a deeper, a deeper thing that's going on in the midst of our hearts that I think Jesus especially lifts up for us today in the gospel. We get really the abbreviated version in today's gospel. Other gospel accounts give us a more in-depth account of Jesus dialoguing with the devil. And in those dialogues and in those questions, I think Jesus raises to the surface the more foundational reality that, that's temptation, almost like our external sins can cover the deeper struggle that's in there, the root of the sins, as opposed to focusing on just like the fruit of, of the tree. If we focus all on the fruit, but don't get to the root of the problem, then those fruits are just going to keep on growing. We're just going to keep struggling with the same sins. But if I can focus on the root, then I can take the whole tree out. I think in, the re, in our battle of prayer, Jesus in the temptation lifts up, okay, now what's the root of the problem? Because if you, if you remember, the devil asked Jesus some very particular questions, and they all begin with a very telling phrase. If you are the Son of God, do this. Turn these stones into bread. Cast yourself off, off the, t- the top of the temple. If you are the Son of God. What the devil is doing there is that he's attacking that fundamental relationship. He's attacking those two steps. He's trying to implant a little bit of doubt that is God really your father? Are you really the son of God? Are you sure about that? Don't you have to prove that by doing this, that, or the other? 
He's getting at the fundamental root. And I think all of our sins can be traced back to, to the attack of trust in our relationship of who God is and how he acts in my life. Because if God is not my father, if God does not care, if God is not there, if God is going to leave me alone, if he's not going to provide for every desire of my heart, well, then I'm going to grasp out at all these things. That's where a lot of the fruits come from. Attacking the trust and the fundamental foundation of that relationship. That's what the devil in our experience of temptation is going to get to. God's really, you're really not good enough. God's really not going to love you because of this, that, or the other. He's not going to provide for that need or that desire you have. So you have to go and grab it yourself. You have to go and act apart from him. We can feel like we, because of that, when we buy into that, we feel like we've got to push God away because I doubt his goodness to me. Maybe I feel like I've already done things that have disqualified me from that relationship with God. So you've done this, God's not going to love you. So I disqualify myself from staying in that relationship. Or maybe I feel like I have to earn the relationship. If, if I do this or that, if I go to Mass on Sunday and pray regularly, then God will love me, right? If I do all the right things, then God is going to love me. The reality of those two steps and the reality of prayer and what Jesus wants to teach us today is that none of that is true. You don't have to push God away. You can never be disqualified no matter what. And you don't have to do anything to earn the reality of his love in our hearts. It is already there right now. No matter how we come to Mass today, God's total concern and total fascination with every aspect of your life is present at this moment. No matter what, whether we're prepared for that or not, he's never going to stop that. That step one is a non-negotiable. And my own, the only thing I can do to that is respond to it. To surrender myself, to not, to not give in to the temptation to justify myself or to disqualify myself or to push God away and to reach after something else. Just surrender and let that, let that reality really penetrate me. That's the heart of prayer. That's the foundation of prayer. And that's the foundation of the relationship that defines my entire existence. The fact that God has created me and that God loves me. And God is providing for me at every moment. If I can guard those two steps, if I can burn that into, my, into the, like, the depths of my heart, that protects me from the ways that the enemy is going to come and tempt us and attack the core of that identity, the core of that relationship with the Father. Because my identity comes from that. The reality of God's love for me. The only response, the only thing we have to do is to surrender. And we can always do that. We're never disqualified. We never have to prove it. So as we enter into this Mass today, as we enter and begin this season of Lent, as we begin to recommit to our life of prayer and to our relationship with God, at the beginning, all we do is, 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 is realize that it's not what we do. We've already got it. The word surrender and letting ourselves receive the love that he's already got for us, his initiative, is the only first step that we can have, is to respond to that love that he's already got for us. We pray today for the grace of courage to surrender, simply to surrender to that love, to surrender to the care that he has for us. By doing that, we experience the reality of that love in our life in a very real way. Amen.